It's Cofield and Company. 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 Who puts y'all in charge of snack distribution? With Steve Cofield. Then I seen him. I seen Steve. And Adam Hill. Adam Hill is usually so fair, so reasonable. Uh, that's shocking to hear something like that from Adam Hill. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying. Partying, partying. Yeah! All right, a Friday. Friday, 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 Friday. Willie Ramirez is with Cofield and Company today. Adam Hill as well. Ari is back in the Finley Toyota Studios with the guys. I'm on the road in Fresno getting ready for the Friday night tilt UNLV at Fresno State. We'll get into the game a little later on. Willie, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. Had some uh, little Golden Knights action today. Nice. And uh, some interesting topics came up, which we'll cover. Yep, yep. We'll get into that. Adam Hill. Good, uh, as always. Oh. There you go. Other microphone, we're good. Uh, as always, I'm a giant fan of John Jones, who has great timing. Great. Yes, we, we'll, we'll have a John Jones update in a little bit. Apparently, he uh, is he at uh, CCDC? Uh, yeah. Okay. Southern Nevada Jail, I believe is now Oh, called. Southern Nevada Jail, not, yes. not Clark County. Okay, so we'll get into the uh, up, latest update. Uh, issues with the uh, Popo with... Uh, John Jones from the UFC. It's happened before, might happen again, but we'll get the update a little later on. Uh, like I said, Ari's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Let's do it. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. All right, well, you mentioned it. Uh, before we get to all the football today, it's a football Friday. Uh, let's talk about what the uh, latest dealio is with uh, the Golden Knights as they open up. Training camp, and, uh, you know, there's always a story and an angle every day, getting ready for the regular season. There, uh, there was, a, there was uh, some scrimmaging going on, and the line of Keegan Colasar, that Keegan Colasar on was very impressive. Peyton Krebs included. Wah, uh, Colasar netted a couple. Krebs looked great, but Colasar looks exceptionally well, and I bring him up because – there was an article that said that uh, the eight Golden Knights players with the most to prove in training camp, and, and Keegan was listed on there. And he mentioned that you know this is, it's no longer a, a matter of whether he he was he was one of the Golden Knights that spoke to us today, and he mentioned that it's no longer a matter of having to make the roster as much as it is to make sure that you are on the starting lineup, but. You know, Keegan Colasar, I think that there's there's a lot expected of him this year, especially with Ryan Reeves gone. He's proven to be somewhat of a protector. We asked him about that, if he's comfortable in sort of uh, taking that role. Dave Shane asked him that, and he, you know, he said he thinks he's proven that already and that he's proven that he can step up and play realistically any role. Um, so I was impressed. That a lot of people were impressed by his play. Just he looked a little faster, a lot crisper. Said that the off-season regimen and the training that he goes through now is a little bit different. He instead of going back to Winnipeg, he stayed here and enjoyed the summer. And uh, you know, you go back and you watch game film and you see some of the little tweaks, the mistakes, the intangibles that sort of make up the complexion of your game. 
um, and what needs to be done to fix those. So, yeah, with working closely with the Golden Knights strength and conditioning team and and coaches, he was able to to do some stuff and have it, you know, being here in town, the facility and and uh, things at his fingertips to get better. That's what he worked on. So Kolasar was somewhat of a topic just in watching the scrimmage that took place. But then we had an interesting conversation with Mark Stone and, you know, we, we uh, you know, he was just talking about different things and we asked him about Robin Leonard. Yeah, he's got some interesting stuff uh, going on in his life, which is pretty fun. Uh, the argument today was how big a snake was in, uh, in a pitcher and he, he knows all that stuff. Um, he stirred up my backyard and I had five snakes in my pool because of him, but uh, that's the type of guy he is. Uh, he's very interesting. He's into animals. Uh, um, you can have a lot of good topics with him. Uh, always have a debate uh, with Robin. Yeah, I was digging them up in my backyard, digging the snake holes, and then a week later I had five snakes in my pool. <laughs> five snakes. Oh my god. Was that uh, was that Kawhi Leonard in the background with that laugh? Can we can we ISO that laugh uh, at the end, Ari? Can we work on that? <laughs> oh my god. I'm not sure who that was, but uh, yeah, so he so we, we what's funny is he 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 uh, Ari spliced together a couple cuz we we came back to it. After he said that, I actually asked a question about Robin Leonard, uh, working on a piece on him, just in, in terms of, you know, you, that he had mentioned, you know, that he had uh, taken over that number one role, and we know what he's capable of, we've seen what he's capable of, and he's confident in, in being, and I, you know, so he said, uh, or I followed up, I said, what about his character in the locker room? You know, uh, you know, he's hilarious on Twitter, he's got to be a character in the locker room, and that's when he answered with, about the snakes, and... uh one of the one of the members of media said, "Did you say snakes?" And that's when he came back and started talking about it. I guess there was a year end party, sort of a going away party, saying goodbye, off season, getting ready for the off season. And Leonard noticed five snake holes in Mark Stone's backyard, so he took a shovel to it. I guess he's oh got God. a snake at home. He's in. I later talked to Marchesaw. I had a one on one with Jonathan Marchesaw, and he said, and he said, yeah, he's into reptiles. He's really into them. He comes in with a new story every day. It's crazy, but uh, he said he dug up the holes, and the next thing he knew, it whatever, I don't know, it was a day later, a couple of days or whatever, but he ended up with five snakes in his pool. So basically, don't invite Robin Leonard to your party. Is that? Yeah, that's the lesson. <laughs> He's going to dig up your backyard. <laughs> <It> sounds awful. <laughs> the snake charmer. So I don't. I, you know, I even tweeted out. Maybe do we need to? to you know, well, not we, but does it need to be changed? Does he need to go from panda to snake? Because he's lost the weight, right? He's slimmed down. He's going to be. And he he said that Mark Andre Fleury taught him some moves before he left. He's slithering around the the net in wow. the crease. Good use of slithering. slithering. We might don't have get to... slithering on the show very often. <laughs> we might have to call him the snake. He sl- slimmed down just because his his wife, not people. Right. We learned that the other day. Yeah. Adam, from, Adam, Adam researched that. Yeah, from, I, from I, Robin Leonard tweeting about it because Steve loves Robin Leonard's Twitter account. Yeah, I, I muted him. Um, <laughs> I can't take it. I can't take every day. Uh, the battles back and forth between him and... Uh, Flurry people. Uh, any of us ever have a snake as a pet? I there's no way Ari did. Willie, Adam, dude, I'm less likely than Ari. That what? Uh, have a snake as a pet? Uh, yeah, we had two at one. When Jordan, did was you really? Little, yeah, Jordan. That was that was. I think he was like five or six. He really wanted one, and he had a corn snake. What the hell is a what corn is that? Snake? Yeah. Corn snakes like a a little bit more extravagant version of a gardener snake. It's like the you see the orange snakes that are as pets. Doesn't get that big. 
maybe by six. The way, six by the way, my, my snake knowledge is so bad, I thought it was a garter snake, like the so, kind of garter you put around your leg. So garter, it is a garter. So is it a garter? What did I say, gardener? Yeah. Garter. Gardener. A garter snake. Is it a garter snake? I think it's a garter. All right. Yeah, I, was not, all I know no, is we had, a, we had a corn snake, and then we had an Australian spotted python. What? Yeah, a, so we had a python. Two, <laughs> it, yeah, no, it's not a big. It's it's like a normal size snake, and we put it. Uh, we had two tanks. He was younger then, and the corn snake passed away. Uh, and then the uh, and then it, he got too old for it. It was just kind of like it became a. And um, we took it out into the wilderness and let it go. You uh, you guys have heard the story from Caleb Herring, who's going to be coming up on the football broadcast. Uh, Fresno State UNLV tonight, so six thirty with the Learfield pregame, but. Caleb roomed with uh, Tim Cornette, uh, one of the all-time running backs at mm. UNLV, and Tim Cornette loved snakes. Well, one of the snakes got out. <laughs> they had no idea where it was, and then Caleb said when they were moving out, maybe like a year later, he found like some snake skin, like it had shed yeah. in one of his closets, yeah. and they still don't know. Like Caleb's theory was that I guess he was around the apartment for a while, and then I guess he just slithered out the front door. Slither twice in one show. Can you imagine having like hate not liking snakes? Because I think Philip. I can't remember which which receiver it was. Whatever, uh, there was someone else in the, in the uh, the three bedroom apartment who was like, "I hate snakes." And but so you always had the specter hanging over you of this friggin' snake could be anywhere in the house. I would have moved so fast. I'd be done. There's no chance I could live in that place. Yep. Uh, I'm not afraid of much, but a freaking mystery snake, snake popping up at any time. <laughs> could, you, could you ever sleep? Uh, I mean, I think sleeping is one thing. How about going on the turlet? What happens if the snake was hanging around the toilet? All of a sudden, you know, you're getting tickled. Well, you're always, you always check before you go into the bathroom, I would it be, think. It could be down a pipe. Did you say turlet? Yeah, yeah I did. That's Archie Bunker dad, style? That's, that's yeah. how my, my dad would say That's Archie Bunker on. style. Yeah, this is Archie Bunker Hold style. Hold on. I, I will, I'm going to fight this. I think sleeping is far worse than going to the bathroom. I, I don't. There's no way I'd ever go to sleep knowing that that thing could just crawl into my bed. I want it to be on the record that we now have two slitherings, tur- uh, turlet and tickle in this in the opening <laughs> good, so far. It's a good start to the Friday show. <laughs> sure. Very good start. All right, on the way back, we got to get to what's going on in the National Football League. We'll find out about the injuries for the Raiders. We also got to go back and look at last night's game. Oh, my God, Sam Darnold. Is this really going to happen? The Carolina Panthers led by Sam Darnold are going to be really good? Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Last night, I got to tell you, I was excited for Sam Darnold. Barry Sanders couldn't get out of Detroit, and he wanted out for one reason. They have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Going into my eighth year, I tried to get out of Buffalo. Not because I didn't love Buffalo and the fans. I just wanted a chance to play for an organization that had a shot at going to the Super Bowl. Congratulations, Sam. I don't know if they have a shot, but I know you're much better off there than you were with the Jets. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. A uh, lot to unpack there. Hometown hero, O.J. Simpson. Uh, first of all, O.J., from all Jets fans, shut up. <laughs> Don't make me come to one of the places you hang out and have a talking t- uh, with you. Mm. Uh, by the way, I would never do that. Scared as hell. Uh, and secondly, the we continue to play the club version of Psycho, whatever that is. Please stop doing that. <laughs> or a slasher movie, we, we get it. We get it. It was subtle until I mentioned it. Uh, Willie's here. 
Cofield, Adam Hill. All right, real quick on what we saw last night. I know Adam's first concern is uh, not real-world football, but it is a freaking disaster that Chris McCaffrey could be down for a while because he was the number one pick or the highest-priced guy in most auction leagues. So that ain't good, but the overall picture is – the Panthers, man, and it was, that's a bad Texan team, and they're led by a, a rookie quarterback. But, my God, all these draft picks over time, building this defense, it has paid off. They have a really good defense. Yeah, it's been impressive so far. I mean, I think that uh, they've been good in the secondary. They've been good, really good at linebackers where they've really thrived. Uh, and up front, they've been generating pressure. It's been impressive until you stop and look at the opposition, right? And no offense, right. uh, but the Jets – Yikes. Um, last night, that Houston offense was one of the most inefficient offenses I've ever seen. They did stymie a, Saint, a Saints team, though, that killed the Packers in week one, so yeah. you got to put a feather in that cap. Yeah, that was a good spot for them. It, it's like, it, here's the thing. We, we talk about you know sample size all the time and things like that. Um, I saw some people really, you know, really getting excited uh, that Baltimore has not been able to stop the tight end this year, right? Like people were like, "Oh, they they're terrible against the tight end. This is brutal." Well, they played Waller and Kels. <laughs> right. Like you're not going to do that every week. And so, like you know, and, and that's you know a lot of fantasy world people. Uh, you just play the tight end against Baltimore every week. They can't stop it. Well, okay, well, it's, it's it's those guys. So yeah, I do want to see if Carolina's defense can hold up when the schedule gets a little bit tougher. Uh, but so far, so good. And you're right, there was one you know, pretty tough matchup in there. Now, I thought it was a great spot for Carolina in that Saints game, but they had to do the job. Willie, what's going on with the Raiders on the injury front? What kind of updates do we get today? We uh, Well, I wasn't out there, but uh, I did get the injury report. Um, we found out that Richie Incognito is out. Uh, Dallin Levitt and Roderick Teamer are also out. And um, Josh Jacobs has been downgraded to doubtful. So Incognito did not participate, nor did Jacobs all week. Now, Jacobs reportedly, I didn't see him. Someone else had seen him in a um, non-contact jersey yesterday. It was not him. It wasn't him. Okay, because I was wondering. um, So as it turned out, it wasn't him. So he has not been around. um, So it's But – the one thing, and I saw this, it had been pointed out, was it just went from it, uh, it originally had toe slash ankle on the injury report. It is just the ankle, which, I mean, you know, you want to you want to recover from that, but it, I guess that's a bit of a positive from turf toe, which can be uh, a little more serious. But the fact that he can't play again and it's still his ankle could be a little concerning, um, you know, especially since it's RB1, if you will. Um, I, that's it really for game statuses. Yeah, it's uh, the only guys on the injury those, report that, right that's now. That's it, yeah. I mean, they have their full list, but everybody else, it's 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 just normalcy, you know, as far as that they have to put them on there. But uh, those are the four main ones that are either out or doubtful. Yeah, I think, I think the – well, first of all, with because uh, I was just uh, – You were out there today. I was, you know, I was actually on the way over here doing a doing a spot in another market, and they said – Man, they really need to get Jacobs back to get this running game going. I, I, the lack of a running game has nothing to do with Josh Jacobs' injury. The lack of a running game is because they can't block anybody. That, yeah. Uh, it, so they need to get the, the – I mean, I think Kenyon Drake – first of all, you paid Kenyon Drake a lot of money just for this instance. Yep. Uh, I think it'll be fine. Peyton Barber has, you know, not been a star at this level, but he's been competent at this level for a few years. So uh, they'll be able to run the ball just fine if they can block somebody. That's the biggest thing. Now, you want Jacobs back because he's – 
you know, a guy that can, you know, he's the last couple of years, he's been one of the best running backs in the league at yards after contact and uh, he can get you those tough yards. And that's what you, you drafted him in the first round for. Uh, but the, the, they need to get the running game fixed by blocking somebody, not by having somebody to give the ball to. Right, and the and and the one thing that's working right now, uh, and it's not going to last seventeen games, that's for sure, or fifteen more, is their running game is really their, you know, their screen passes and short yard situations in in you know bringing Kenyon Drake out of the backfield, hitting him out in the flat, those little swing passes, and, and getting him going there, sort of getting a running start. So, but uh, yeah, you're right. That's it's not going. That's not going to last. It's not going to cut it, and. Um, as Greg Olson brought up, and 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 um, you know, yesterday, that the the one thing that you can take from this is that they they beat Baltimore, they beat Pittsburgh, they're they're showing some efficiency, and they're doing it with the patchwork offensive line. What happens when that offensive line gets healthy, gets stronger, um, you know, and and shows some consistency in terms of the players, the personnel um, that's on that front line, and they're playing together consistently. You know, if everybody else stays healthy and you get Jacobs back there, then you may see a difference. As of right now, you know, we've seen how many different guys in two games. So once they once they heal up front, Jacobs gets back there. I mean, you you may see the the offense even imp- improve even more than what we've already seen in two victories. Let's do a giveaway three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero caller seven caller seven. It's our uh, weekly giveaway on Fridays. Our Porta Sub six foot sub tailgate tray. You also qualify to win a Yeti cooler. It's caller seven three six four eleven hundred. It's brought to you by our friends over at Finley Volvo. There's twenty five Porta Sub locations around town, so go and grab your own tailgate tray if you don't win the prize here. Caller seven three six four. 1100 is the number. We get to uh, some of our football experts throughout the show. Up next, the former Dolphin uh, played running back at multiple spots around the NFL. We're going to try to hunt down Terry Kirby. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. This offensive line is not getting it done for the Miami Dolphins. They're averaging eight and a half points over two games. And whether it's Jacoby Brissett or whomever, when they're facing a Raiders team now that's got a revamped defensive front and they're bringing a whole lot of smoke, that offensive line doesn't step up. That is going to be an issue this week and then the following week. They're not running the ball well. So this is not just on the quarterback. This starts up front. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Yeah, that's one of the biggest angles of this Dolphin game against the Raiders on Sunday. It's Cofield out here in uh, Fresno. We're getting ready for Fresno State and UNLV. And Willie and Adam are in the Finley Toyota Studios. Uh, Let's talk a little Dolphins. Let's talk a little Raiders, former NFL player, uh, both with the Dolphins and the Raiders and the Niners and the Browns. Terry Kirby is up on Cofield and company. How are you? I'm good. How you guys doing? We're good. We're good. We're ready to talk a little football here. So uh, keeping an eye on the Dolphins, uh, what do you think of what they said there on NFL Network about the uh, lack of run game with Miami and uh, the inconsistencies on the offensive line? Well, you know, the, the problem with the NFL, you guys know this as well as I do, and I've played the game for a long time. You know, it always starts up front. And right now, you know, the Dolphins are really struggling up front right now. And, you know, I really didn't expect that to happen. You know, I feel, you know, what they did in the offseason and the guys that they had last year, because they played pretty tough last year, to turn around and, you know, have a showing like they did the last last week was, was just horrible. You know, I, I didn't expect that at all. 
Is the issue in your mind, is it personnel? Is it scheme? What What is going wrong? Because it has been brutal. Yeah, I don't know if it's scheme. You know, sometimes, you know, just like when you watch certain games, some games guys play with a lot of heart and just they just fight. You know, one thing about the front five on both sides of the ball, you know what, you may be getting your ass kicked, but you know what you do? You fight, man. You fight, you scramble, you know, you – you just do anything. You bite. You claw. You do it. Get some penalties. You know, do some holding calls. Do something just to fire your team up. You know, I can remember playing with you know guys like Richard Wegg and Keith Sims, and then when I went out to San Fran, I had you know Golgan and, and and Oakland. I had Lincoln Kennedy. These guys, even if they were having a bad game, you know, they always played with a lot of fire and a lot of heart. You know, scratching and clawing. I think that's what the Dolphins got to do, especially going against this front five the Raiders have right now. <laughs> the, the uh, and you know the up front is is a problem obviously in in containing and keeping them off of the quarterback. But the other thing with the offense is they rank eleventh. They have the eleventh worst uh, percentage in terms of offensive drives that end in turno in an offensive turnover fourteen point three in limiting that. Um, and that's you know I mean you can you can lend that to to a little bit to the offensive line, but overall you still got to protect the ball. Yeah, you know, we the Dolphins haven't caught the ball very well. You know, and you saw that last week. You know, how many drop passes did they have last week? And, you know, you can't play this game if you're not moving the chains. And you can always put all the, you know, the emphasis on the quarterback and say the quarterback this, quarterback that. But at the same time, you know, you got, you know, five other skill position guys that need to make some plays at some point. And then on the other side, you know, the with the defense, his defense is, uh, you know, that's one of the things that, that – that, uh, frustrated the Raiders last season was the defense, but this is a Raiders offense that has been uh, somewhat ignited a little bit um, and somewhat become known for a big play. Uh, You know, Derek uh, Carr is right there with Tom Brady in, in pass plays of 20 or more yards. He's got a wealth of talent to throw to when you're, when your leading guy is uh, Darren Waller and he's on the line. And then you have all this talent that can d- do damage in different variables where you have speedy Henry Ruggs, you have big Brian Edwards, you got Zay Jones who can sort of do a number of things, and then you got Hunter Renfro who's tough as nails. Um, how does this defense uh, match up, and how do you see them being able to contend with the pass with the Raiders' passing game? I, let me tell you one thing about you know Gruden. Gruden's a, a mastermind, and you gave this guy. You know, that many weapons out there, you know, and a, a quarterback that's smart. You know, I can remember when I played out there with Rich Gannon and we had the same amount of weapons. And with Gruden, you know, he can just pick a defense apart. And let me tell you, the defensive backs in, you know, in Miami are going to have to be ready for anything tonight. You know, they're going to run the ball. They're going to mix it up. They're going to, you know, they're going to put different personnel out there. And that's what Gruden is known for. He's, you know, he's known to go base offense and then with base offense, end up spreading everybody out. So now he has, you know, the regular defense in the game and not nickel in the game. So Gruden's known to do stuff like that that's going to definitely confuse the Dolphins. And that's, well, you know, the Dolphins last year, their defense was, they were tough. You know, they big turnovers last year. And they're going to get an opportunity to do that tonight. But it's going to be tough against the Raiders. 
Once again, we're talking with Terry Kirby, 10-year NFL running back veteran, uh, had an extensive career playing with the Dolphins, the 49ers, played with the Raiders and the Browns. Um, let's talk a little history with these two franchises because these are some historic franchises that you know really had some meteoric rises, if you will, in the 70s. And um, the, the, When you have a couple of teams like this to get together, like the Raiders did last week with the Steelers, you know, there's there's a lot of history and a lot of football fans today they're they're used to the the modern day you know Dolphins and Raiders but the traditional history for for those out there there is there a long-standing AFC rivalry between these two we talked about that last week with some of the Raiders in the press room about the of course going all the way back to the immaculate reception but with these two teams in terms of the history that they have in the NFL well, I think the history of them, I don't think it's as big, because I can remember when I played here, you know, I never got a chance to play against the Raiders when I played with the Dolphins, but when I played with the Raiders, I got to play the Dolphins in a, um, in, you know, a, in a playoff game out there. So it wasn't, you know, we really didn't talk about that. I think you're just talking about two unbelievable franchises. You know, with Al Davis and Coach Shula, you know, you're talking two of the biggest pioneers to ever be part of the NFL, and I think that's the, that's the biggest legacy of this. You know, it's just, you know, you're talking two guys that, <laughs> you know, that pretty much are pioneers of, of football. Um, and uh, through the first two weeks, are you shocked at all? Or what's your thoughts on, on Derek Carr? Just, I mean, in, in what he's being able to, um, what he's been able to do, you know, he, he's caught a lot of criticism. Every offseason, the question around Las or I'd say Oakland and now Las Vegas, um, is whether he's the guy or whether he's capable. This offseason leading into the training camp and leading into the preseason, we heard, you know, Keyshawn, the likes of Keyshawn Johnson calling him an elite quarterback. Your thoughts on Derek Carr and what he's done um, these first two weeks? I, listen, I think Derek Carr's a player. I really think he's a player, and I think he just has to, you know, get used to uh, Gruden's offense and get used to now with all the players that he has around him. You know, if he does and listens to Coach Gruden, let me tell you something, the sky's the limit for that guy. You know, and that West Coast offense, which I've always loved, you know, you can, you know, Gruden has that hybrid of it, which is amazing. And I think it takes the guys, uh, quarterbacks, a little bit of time to get used to that. And what Gruden wants. You know, Gruden is one of those guys, yeah, he's going to throw the ball down the field, but at the same time, you know, he's going to try to run that clock and he's going to run the ball. And that, to me, is, you know, Gruden's style. And maybe Carr, you know, Carr, of course, every quarterback wants to pass the ball. But I think he just needs to get used to that thing of, you know, having a balanced attack. And Gruden is very, and he's known for that balanced attack. Terry Kirby's with us, the uh, former Dolphin, former Raider. It's Cofield and Company here on a Friday. All right, what happens if the offensive line isn't a great run-blocking offensive line? Do you believe John Gruden can deal with what they've done the first couple of weeks? And that means you know going out there and throwing thirty, you know, thirty-five, forty, forty-five times. Uh, can he adjust to the new NFL? I, uh, absolutely, I think he can because he's going to do. You know, with the West Coast offense, you know, you have so much built into that offense with you know with the backs being able to catch the ball on the backfield. You know, little slants here, there, little outs. You know, that's what makes the West Coast offense so great because they're able to drop the ball off, you know, five yards and let those guys make plays. And they can do that. You know, think about the players they have out there. That's what they're capable of doing. Did you like playing for Gruden? And did you like playing for Bill Callahan? 
I, I like playing for Bill, too, because, you okay. know, that team that we had was John Gruden's team, but we had yeah. such a, a team that was full of vets. You know what I mean? Our team was so full of vets, and we were vested in the game of football. And, you know, Coach Gruden was great, and Callahan, nothing really changed because it was Callahan's, all, you know, offense. He was offensive line coach. You know, he pretty much ran the same plays, and that's what hurt us the most when we went to the Super Bowl besides, you know, other things that happened. <laughs> yeah, well, there were some problems away from the field that kind of shocked the team and, and derailed you guys and obviously threw off the game plan. So what are you doing with yourself now? Uh, you own a gym? Yeah, actually, I own a gym down here in uh, Miami. I own a uh, performance gym for uh, kids and, um, you know, adults. And, you know, I've been in the, the real estate market for a long time, so just trying to keep myself busy. You know, I can't even believe I've been, you know, out of the game so long you know i've been out of the game since 2002 and i can't you know at times i'm sitting here like wow i can't even believe it's been that long that i've been out of the game wait how is real estate doing in, in uh, south florida oh florida florida's unbelievable you know you have what a thousand people moving here a month right now you know it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy you know if you have real estate down here and you're able to sell you know you're, you're making a whole lot of money right now because the values are through the roof and it's just nuts Absolutely not. I was going to say, my uh, my parents sold out of uh, Southwest Florida like 10 years ago. I'm like, what are you doing? Let it appreciate. Oh, yeah, Come on. <laughs> it should have never. <laughs> you know, it's kind of great. You know, and down here right now, everything is open. So, you know, we're like a free ball down here, which is, <laughs> you know, which is kind of tough. <laughs> well, Terry, this, so I've been to uh, Miami a couple of times with a, with a very close family member who happened to be on the uh, muscle mania circuit the natural bodybuilding circuit and we are partners here okay. in las vegas with the private facility so if you ever get to vegas since you're a gym enthusiast you come check out the perfect gym Let's i see it. you here on twitter oh, so I'll, se- I'll send you i'll send you the link we have a uh, a private facility here as well it's a it's it's not a performance facility it's more a combination of powerlifting, bodybuilding, and somewhat of a okay. little bit of a Zen center. Got a little side area there for to, to meditate, but uh, a pre- I do appreciate the the fitness side of you there because uh, and 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 because yeah. uh, we we're in well, fitness you know, out brothers, here. I'm out there a lot, actually. Okay, uh, I'm out there a lot. You know, my brother who coaches for the Padres, he lives there. Oh, and your niece uh, was a member of the UNLV national championship team. Yes, sir. You got it. There you go. You got it. Yep. You got it. <laughs> Everything's interconnected. All right, Terry. Hey, hey before we such a small world. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, before I let you run, give us a pick. Uh, you know, you played for both teams, so I hope you feel comfortable. I don't want to get you in trouble with anyone. Give us a pick on the no, game: the Raiders and Dolphins. I mean, I, I think you know, unless the Dolphins come out with something crazy, I think the Raiders are going to run away with it. That was awesome, man. We appreciate you giving us a couple minutes. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. There you go. Terry Kirby, one of the all-time leading rushers at Virginia, big-time recruit when he went there, and uh, played at four different spots, including the Dolphins and the Raiders in the National Football League. All right, we flip the page on the way back. Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez, Cofield. We're going to bring in Tim Neverett to talk a little baseball because we got the Dodgers-Giants race going down here uh, in these final ten games. And actually, we're going to talk about last year when the Dodgers got it done, won the championship in the COVID year because Tim has a new book on the way. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Max swings and he hits a high drive to center field. This ball's back. This ball's gone. Daddy gone. An extra innings home run for Max Muncy. And the Dodgers, instant offense in the 10th, lead this game 7-5. Now. Back 
to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. There you go. Dodgers going down to the wire. One of the craziest races we've seen in baseball. As they're one game behind the Giants. What, nine games left in the season? Max Muncy with a home run there. I think it's, uh, what, one of 35 that he's had this year. Let's bring in the voice of the Dodgers, good friend of ours, good friend of Lotus Broadcasting. Tim Neverett is up with us. What's up, Tim? Hey, how you doing, Steve? Good to talk to you. Real good, real good. Before we get to the uh, nitty-gritty with uh, this season, I want you to tell people about the uh, the book. Yeah, I wrote a book on last season. It's called COVID Curveball, and, and we're still getting COVID curveballs <laughs> thrown yeah. at us. A year, a year later, but it's it's about the, the shortened season and all the things that were different about it, strange and odd, and uh, it covers a lot of different baseball stories. It's uh, it's available on Amazon now, hardcover, Kindle, audiobook on audible.com, and uh, we're hoping to have uh, some book signings this weekend. I was on the schedule uh, to broadcast the Dodgers uh, tonight and tomorrow, uh, against the Diamondbacks, and I had Sunday off, and we had uh, some book signings scheduled, including one at the ballpark uh, at the Aviators game, uh, and then another at the Boulevard Mall at Power Play Sports Cards. But we've had to work on rescheduling, which we're doing right now, because uh, one of our announcers uh, uh, tested positive uh, two days ago, and that has changed my schedule. So I've got to be here Sunday to call the third game of the series, and then the, the Padres series right after that. So it's. Um, Unfortunate that I can't be in Las Vegas, but you know duty calls, and this is where I've got to be now is with the Dodgers. Tim, before we get to the Dodgers, you, you bring up the Aviators, you bring up the Boulevard Mall, um, you know, and and it's been a long time since since you and I have talked. When I was at the, I was starting my career at the Las Vegas Sentinel Voice, and you're the voice over with the AAA franchise, and then we had the Thunder here, and and of course UNLV football, and. Um, and now you look at this town, and you're you're coming in here to to, to do some book signings at, at a brand new ballpark, a, an expanded Boulevard Mall, which certainly didn't look like that back then. But all the pro teams that are here, and I'm sure these guys have talked to you about this, but I'd like to just you know just recollect from back then to now what your thoughts are when you come out here and see the arenas, the pro teams, and what this town has evolved to from uh, you know when we were just a small media contingent back then in the '90s. Yeah. Well, at that time, we were looking at uh, rumor of the day for the newest venue, right? I mean, they were <laughs> yes. going to build a dome stadium. They were going to build this venue, that basketball arena, this hockey arena. And we kept hearing about all these developers that were dangling these uh, projects over Las Vegas, and none of them ever happened. Uh, but I think, like anybody, we knew that the city had the potential, the, the growth, the population has, you know, boomed. Uh, since that time, uh, it's a wonderful place to live. In fact, uh, there's a very strong possibility very soon that uh, I think my wife and I are going to move back there to spend the off-seasons in Vegas. Um, but it, it's just such a wonderful place, but it's the entertainment capital of the world, and there's no uh, better entertainment, I think, in, in my mind than, than major professional sports. You've got the NFL, of course, with the, with the Golden Knights did being the first ones to get there. Uh, you know, I've been to several Golden Knights games. They do a wonderful job. Uh, can't wait to go to a Raiders game. I think the fact that UNLV plays over there now is so much better than Sam Boyd Stadium. Um, and I think will only help the program. They just need a few more years. I think they're going to be they're, – they're, I think they've got a, a good thing going. They're heading in the right direction. Uh, but it's just not all there yet. But, I mean, that facility is amazing. 
And then uh, there's probably, let's see, uh, it's probably going to be another venue that you can play NBA basketball in soon. And then, you know, there's talk of the, uh, of the Oakland A's relocating. So uh, you might have all four major sports there, including maybe five major sports with an MLS team uh, at some point in time in the very near future. You know, within five years, that could be a possibility. No one ever thought we'd see that, but we did see uh, the, the possibility to have major league sports in Las Vegas at one point or another. I remember Mayor Oscar Goodman, uh, that's all he touted. Well, that's not all he touted, but, I mean, he, he was very big on bringing major professional sports to yes, Vegas. Sir. And uh, it, it, it finally has happened, and it happened in a big way. So, you know, you were, you know, you've gone on to, you know, bigger and better things for sure in your career, but you were, for a while, like the voice of all of our professional but not major league sports here. Uh, so before you moved on, did you ever imagine this? You said how, how crazy and unexpected it was, but could you even foresee it in your mind that this could happen here? I thought that they might get one team, maybe two. Yeah. Uh, maybe to, you know, the NFL is a, a different animal altogether because, uh, you know, it, it's going to draw from all over, especially the Raiders. They get a huge contingent from LA that drives over for the games. Uh, the LA Raiders fans are still there. They have people that fly down from Oakland for the games. The Oakland Raiders fans are still there, plus fans of the other teams. Plus anybody wants to go see a game in, inside the Death Star, you know, why wouldn't you? It's beautiful. <laughs> and, um, it, that, that's just a, it's a, it's a different kind of thing, but, you know, if you're talking about baseball now, uh, with what they've done at Las Vegas Ballpark, uh, you know, attendance-wise for AAA, it's so much better than it was at Cashman Field. Uh, I mean, it's, it's night and day what they've done over there. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I never thought we'd get to a point where we're looking at, you know, three, four, maybe even five major professional franchises uh, coming to town at any certain time. But, you know, the Golden Knights have proven it can be done. The Raiders are proving in a big way that it can be done. And, I, and to be honest with you, uh, an old friend of ours, uh, the late, great Bob Bloom, was always telling me for years that the NFL would work in Las Vegas. He told me that in, you know, 25, 30 years ago, that the NFL would work in Las Vegas, and he tried to get more exhibition games there that just uh, the NFL was not into it. They just didn't want to have anything to do with Vegas. Now they can't get enough of Vegas because they finally – realized what Vegas means to major professional sports. And as soon as the light bulb went on in the NFL's, front, NFL's office in New York, now all of a sudden they've embraced it. You're going to have a Pro Bowl, probably have a Super Bowl at some point. Um, you know, they, they, people finally realizing how important a market Las Vegas is to, uh, to the sports world in this country. Uh, Bob Bloom, who is uh, responsible for ruining every weekend of my life as uh, one of the co-inventors of fantasy football as he is a, uh, he told us many times. Uh, the book is COVID Curve on Inside View of the 2020 Los Angeles Dodgers World Championship season. Tim Neverett, uh, you know that voice, of course. Uh, what, go, going back to last year, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure this is extensively covered in the book, but what do you think is kind of the, the lasting memory of, of winning the COVID championship? Just being in the bubble, having 11,000 fans there and thinking that was a lot, going through the season with nobody in the ballpark, cardboard cutouts. Uh, you know, we didn't see the faces. We just saw the blank white backs of them, uh, the, the piped-in crowd noise. Uh, watching these players be professional, and once they got inside the lines, they were very professional. It was Major League Baseball. But the, the main thing, I think, is, you know, what had to go on behind the scenes to get it done? What did it take to put on a Major League Baseball game? And why were we playing 
during the worst pandemic in 100 years, and what did it mean to the country to have this positive distraction of Major League Baseball that was so necessary? Uh, it was just one of a, a number of distractions, I guess, but, you know, baseball was a big one. And, uh, you know, having a World Series tournament, so to speak, in the same ballpark, uh, that you had a roof that could open and close, and you had a home team that was never home. Uh, it, it was just so different, and, uh, you know, I chronicled all that stuff in there, and I think that, you know, not just Dodger fans, but I think baseball fans in general will will like a lot of the stories and appreciate a lot of the stories that are in there. I also think they're going to like the foreword that Oral Hershiser wrote. Uh, he takes you back to 1988, and just before he's ready to step on the rubber to throw the last pitch against the A's, and, and close out the World Series, you know, what was going through his mind? He really takes you into his brain, and then he bridges 88 to 2020 and how he can relate as the World Series MVP, you know, to Corey Seager, the, the latest one, and to you know, Julio Urias, who got the last out, and what he was thinking. And uh, I just think that any baseball fan anywhere would like to read what Oral had to contribute to the book. Tim, we appreciate the time. We'll uh, we'll talk to you in the playoffs, and I hope there are playoffs. I hope it's not a one-game playoff, and then they get freaking bounced by some team that finished 20 games behind them. Uh, well, maybe not 20 games, but like 15 games behind them. This season is nuts, and this division has been nuts. Yeah, this next 10-day stretch is going to be crazy. I mean, it's, uh, it's going to go one of two ways. Uh, the Dodgers are either going to catch the Giants and pass them, or they're going to fall further behind. Uh, and then there's the third possibility. They could tie and force a game 163, which Ooh. would be played in San Francisco. So so how about this for a scenario, Steve? If you play game 163, the Dodgers would have to go to San Francisco. If they lost, they would have to fly back for the wild card game the next day at Dodger Stadium. So oh my God. Uh, that's certainly something they don't want to do. But they, they'd much rather find a way to, to somehow pull out this division. That's why these three games coming up starting tonight with Arizona are so important. They just swept Arizona last week. They need to do it again, but you can't sweep unless you win the first one. So uh, they've got a big one tonight in Arizona, even though the Diamondbacks are having a horrible season, 104 losses. Uh, still a major league club, and they practice too. So the Dodgers yeah. cannot get caught in a, tra- in a trap scenario right here. Tim, thanks, man. Have fun this weekend. Thanks, Tim. Thanks. We'll see you soon. There you go. Tim Neverett, voice of the Dodgers. Dodgers taking on Arizona. San Fran is in Colorado. On the way back, we're going to get the reaction of a former Oakland Raider as our buddy Stanford Route will join us. And uh, he'll get into the 2-0 start and what's right and what could be wrong with the Raiders. Right now, there's very little wrong, but Stanford's on the way. The phone lines are open. Join the conversation on Cofield and Company now by calling 702-364-1100 or tweet us at Cofield and Co.